Hello to our Grace of Giving listeners out there. We are officially starting season three of the show today. Very exciting. Thank you all for your support and enthusiasm. We're always looking for ways to improve, so we've tinkered with the format of the show a bit. We hope you like it, and be sure to shoot us a quick email to let us know what you think. I'm James Riley. And I'm Grace Prasniewski. And this is the Grace of Giving podcast. Theme, innovation. Our guest on today's show is Amy Shell. Amy serves as Senior Director of Financial and Data Management within Advancement Services. Amy has been with Notre Dame Development for over 15 years, starting her career here as a Web and Communications Administrator, working her way to Director of Annual Fund Marketing and Operations, and then Director of Soaring Society and Annual Giving Funds, before coming over to her Senior Director roles in Advancement Services. Amy, thanks for joining us on the show today. Let's hop right into our theme. How do you define innovation? Thanks, James. I'm happy to be here. Innovation is a great, great question for all of us. And I think innovation can sometimes be looked at as some great new thing that you have to do. When in reality, innovation happens every day in small ways and in great ways. And it's about trying new things, failing and trying it again and again. Mm. Amy, at what point in your professional career did you start to grasp the importance of not just doing things well, but actively looking to improve and make them better? That's another great question. You know, years ago, I was in a meeting and somebody said, you know, if you do the same thing over and over again and expect different results, that's actually the definition of insanity. And I think at the university, we're all called to continually push things forward and to follow in, you know, Father Soren's uh, dream of what this university would be for our students. Well, that carries right through to our staff. And so in working in the different business units that I've been in, you can't do the same thing. Our goals don't stay the same. They never go down. And the only way to continue to push forward is to try new things. And frankly, you, you fail and probably learn the most when you fail and try to do it a different way. Definitely. I think that's an ongoing theme within university relations is, is failing forward and not being afraid to fail because that's how some of the best successes come is when you learn what you didn't do right so you can correct it the next time. So in that same vein, Amy, then how do you balance uh, innovating with making sure the work you're putting out is both sustainable and meets the department's immediate needs? Well, I think that you start with a, a class A team, right? There's no, mm -hmm. there's no better team I'd rather be with. And you know that you have a team that does great work. And often the innovative pieces, the ideas actually live within that team and giving them space to think and to talk and to process map and make the decision trees, it actually allows them to come up with their own innovative ideas and ways to do things different. And when you start with a solid team, the work doesn't, doesn't fall backwards, right? The work doesn't um, ever become a challenge. It only gets better. Now, there are definitely times when you have to prioritize what's most important. And sometimes those innovative ideas need to go on hold but bringing them back up at the appropriate times and maximizing potentially downtimes, which we really don't have anymore, but, mm -hmm. you know, um, trying to identify those times and by allowing the team to innovate, you also bring them 
some energy and they bring themselves a different type of energy and that just makes the whole team work. And so you never really worry about being able to do it all when you have the right team. And that you, you bring up such an important point of how innovation is so critical to having a strong team. Um, and that really uh, perfectly brings us to our first teammate clip. So here is Melissa Medina uh, with a little bit of detail about how Amy's teams approach innovation. So one of the ways that Amy um, loves approaching innovation with her team is that from the very beginning, Amy is great at providing us a safe space to just share um, about any of the pain points and any of the ideas that come through our processes and tasks that we're actually doing. And I think those meetings, um, she always tells us at the very beginning, you know, there are no failures. You know, there are always going to be opportunities to improvement. And she even uh, allows us to be vulnerable and um, share those moments where, you know, there are some instances where we can definitely um, improve our system. So I think establishing that from the very beginning that whatever we uh, undertake, it's an opportunity for us to look at it more critically, to look at it at fresher eyes, and also not have the, um, you know, probably the judgment that we're maybe thinking too much about it. There's always a chance to to create those improvements and innovation. So I think that's been great um, to share within the team. And also the team has had that breath of fresh freshness to go ahead and undertake those challenges. Nice. That's great. Great context there from Melissa. We just uh, spoke yesterday and she was very, very happy with uh, being a part of the Grace of Giving podcast for the first time. So, Avi, can you tell us a bit about your team and, and how they all work together? Sure. So right now I work with the gift and data management team, and that is comprised of about three different areas. The easiest one, which most people are, are um, most familiar with, is the gift agreement process. So mm-hmm. working with our fundraisers and our benefactors to write those gift agreements, working through general counsel when, when needed. And then as all the fundraisers know, uh, Matthew Rambalski, who does the um, DocuSign process, which, you know, was one of our innovative um, thoughts, which was a very low-hanging fruit, right, to move all of our signatures into a digital platform. Mm-hmm. And the other two teams are advancement records and gift management. So gift management works with the prep area of the gifts, prepares everything, makes sure we have all the information ready, really does as well some digital processing, which has been new since we've been on the um pandemic kind of street care, learned how to digitally prep gifts from home, which was a great uh, step forward for us. And so they do all the, um, the, the prep, then it goes over to advancement records where gift processing happens, biographical updates happen, and anything that actually goes in the system goes through that team. And then it kind of goes back to the other side of gift management where we run audits. We do all of the tax um, tax receipts as well as work with the controller's office to create all the funds where all the money goes when it comes in. Wow. Wow. When we when we talk about advancement services sort of being the foundation of everything we do in development, I think your teams definitely (laughs) illustrate that. Exactly. Sounds like everyone on your team needs a CPA. (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't have one, so hopefully there's enough there. Um, I would say that I try to remind my team, because we are behind the scenes, you know, we're, we're not front and center very often, that like nothing happens without them, right? Mm-hmm. No email address really goes in the system. No address gets updated. 
no relationships get created, no gifts go in the system. So while we have tons of great partners and everybody in development has an amazing job and they're all needed, I try to remind my team that their jobs are very critical. They really are a, a foundation to a lot of things that happen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so you mentioned a, a few of the innovative projects that your teams have undertaken, but are there any that um, you really want to highlight uh, as an in- innovative project or initiative that you're really proud of your team for implementing? Absolutely. There are a few. And over the pandemic, that gave us kind of that needed pause to prioritize what really had to be done first and then think about different ways to do our business. Melissa was able to take all of our printed acknowledgement letters, our tax receipts, and move them to email for donors who have email addresses and then still mail those that don't. And then we're also moving forward to do the same thing with pledge letters. So sending updated pledge letters to donors who are on a leadership pledge um, that will be coming out this fall. In addition, sometimes it's just pushing them to think about how they can make an impact. So when you work with the volumes of data that we do, it's easy to be head down, you know, do your job, do your job really well. And then it's kind of harder to pull yourself out and say like, how can we start a special project that identifies potentially young alums who are giving to us, but we aren't focusing on them from a prospecting standpoint, but as anybody checking their employment information, are we verifying that we've checked that? Just because we're thinking not just about campaign nine, but campaign 10, and how do we use data to forecast where our donors will be in their careers and who will potentially be those larger donors in future um, future campaigns? So that's one, one way. We've also taken a great audit program and where we would focus on you know, auditing all types of gifts to understand where our air rate is and if there's different pipelines we need to focus on. We're able to feel really confident in the processing that's happened and our air rates and then shift our focus to focus on maybe very specific gifts that tend to trip us up or very specific areas, maybe larger donors who give more complex gifts. And instead of doing this huge data audit, do it more individually, which adds great impact to that individual donor, but then also to the fundraiser who works with with them. Now, we talked about failing, failing forward because that's how you ensure success most times. And part of innovating is failing because you can't innovate without taking the risk of it not working. On your team, Amy, how do you foster a sense of psychological safety that empowers your team to take risks and, and possibly make mistakes? Well, I think it begins at the top. And I would say I feel 100% supported by my um, supervisor, Heather Christofferson, and allowing me to have the support from her trickles down through my team. And, you know, having to work with Heather and explain what we do and why we do it. And when I say there's things we could do better, she fully um, supports that opportunity to say, take a step back. And so, because I feel psychologically safe, I hope that my team does as well. Mm-hmm. I'm also very direct. So if I think it's not going to work, I'm going to tell you, or if I think we can try it, um, I would rather try something for a short amount of time. And I think that's also a way to get the teams engaged is to say, let's do something like this for a month. 
right? You're not having somebody commit to changing everything that everything that they do or overhauling this huge process, but you're attacking it in like attainable, digestible parts, which allows them to gain confidence or to see that maybe after a month, that was a horrible thought and let's not do that. But you know, sometimes innovation gets described as like, again, this big mm-hmm. thing that we have to do when really if you break it down, I think you gain a much more speed and much more confidence quicker. Love it. Love it. Definitely. Yeah. And I think you make a great point of innovation kind of being a scary word sometimes. Right. And but really, at, at the end of the day, innovation should make our jobs easier. Right. We're smarter, think. not harder. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, so relationships and trust are, are so essential to creating that sense of safety and empowerment in teams. Um, we've got a great clip from uh, Patty Harity, who shared a bit about her friendship with Amy. Let's take a listen. So I met Amy when I first started in development back in 2011. Uh, she was in annual giving and I had just come into donor services. And I remember very quickly realizing that I really liked this chick. She uh, she and I were similar in some ways. Um, I have been known to be a bull in a china shop and I really got that kindredship with uh, Amy as well, very direct and, uh, but in a, in a nice way. And so I really enjoyed, you know, I really enjoyed her passion for the job and, and she became somebody that I was, I was quickly drawn to in terms of a, a colleague, but the more I got to know Amy, um, the first thing I thought was she didn't know how to read because she was always asking me to draw her <laughs> pictures. So when uh, I finally realized, no, she does know how to read. Um, we were able to uh, forge a pretty good uh, working relationship, which then spilled over into a a pretty valuable friendship. Um, You know, we are two working women, single moms, um, not just worried about getting our kids to the next appointment, but how do you get one kid to uh, practice, you know, the other side of town and, oh, wait, I got to be over here for this and, and really just together trying to figure out how do you split yourself in multiple ways and still um, perform your job at a, at a high level. And to watch her do it over the la- these last couple of years has been incredibly um, motivating and, and helps feel, you know, like you got a really good ally and friend. Uh, so watching her, the way she, um, the way she's forged other friendships, both with colleagues uh, currently in the division, outside of the division, and those who have actually left the university, um, her friends are incredibly important to her. And I'm, I'm very privileged and honored um, to that she would call me a friend and I call her a friend. Um, I think the other thing with that friendship, and Melissa alluded to it in her, uh, in her question and answer session, is this idea of space. It's not just grace that um, Amy provides us. I think being good friends, she also provides space, which is earned through trust. And it's that space to give your initial reaction to an idea, a big idea or a new initiative or a new way of doing something that 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 doesn't feel comfortable and maybe doesn't feel right um, when it's introduced. But she gives you that space to 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 let her know that and then the grace to work through it with you. And, and that's incredibly important. And again, I think that takes a true friend, uh, a friendship and a, and a true trusting friendship uh, to have such a thing. So I, Amy is, again, probably one of the most motivating bosses I've had, supervisors, if you will, 
but she's also such a authentically good human and a great friend. Oh, got a lot of people in your corner, Amy. Wow. I do. <laughs> I'm very blessed. Oh, very blessed. Great clip there from Patty Harity. Thanks, Patty. And that spirit, Amy, can you share a little bit about what you like to do outside of work? What? I have a life outside of work? <laughs> totally <that>. kidding. Totally <laughs> kidding. I don't think that work and outside of work really is anything different. Um, I have a lot of fun at my job. I have a lot of fun in the office. I have a lot of fun outside the office. And when I think about when the Monday through Friday, you know, eight to five work week started or when it, whenever a long time ago, there was a, a two parent household where one parent typically or one person, you know, worked and one didn't. And the one who stayed home not only had children, you know, did it, you know, that they raised maybe extended family they took care of probably did the grocery shopping and, you know, doctor's appointments and hired the person to mow the lawn or whatever that whole thing was. And, you know, not only is it different for single parents, but I would say any two working parents or any two people in a household, that's just not the way our our days are anymore. Mm -hmm. And thank God, because I feel like outside of work and inside of work can be just as, as fun. So I have three very active kids. Um, two in high school, one in jun- junior high, and they're awesome, but they're also a challenge, which, you know, many parents can a- a- attest to. I um, I have some great friends, you know, as Patty alluded to, most are either current or former Notre Dame employees or development employees, and those are friendships I've formed over the years. And besides that, you know, my, my friends are important to me. I'd love to travel more if I had a little bit more time, <laughs> but, you know, put, put me near a body of water with a adult beverage, quite frankly, preferably a craft beer. And I'm a pretty happy person. Um, <laughs> people make me happy. And I'm one of those weird people who doesn't mind going to meetings all day because that's where I find energy and that's mm-hmm. where I find people to get to know. And that's how my mind works is as Patty alluded to as well. I don't like to read, but I want you to draw me a picture because I look at the world in pictures and connections in that way, much more than like reading it on a piece of paper or, or in a, a book. I, th- I think you said you're, you're heading to a fun place this weekend. Is that right? I am. So I'm leaving tomorrow for a long weekend in Nashville. One of my uh, friends who is a former annual giving colleague, her, um, her son's getting married in Nashville. So um, some friends and I are going down and I've not met in Nashville, maybe ever. I can't really, I don't really know, but um, super excited to go. And it's also fun to go to a wedding where you know, it's not my family. I don't have any obligations. My mom won't be watching me to see if I'm acting appropriately. Not of course. (laughs) (laughs) Nice James. Um, But no, it'll be, it'll, it'll definitely be fun for sure. That's awesome. I too am going to an out of state wedding where like, I'm just kind of a plus one. So there is a certain freedom to just being Mm -hmm. like, Hey, hey, I'm here. (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) Uh, Well, Amy, you mentioned uh, your, your three children. um, And I also, I I learned recently about you that you actually grew up on a farm. Um, So can you tell us a little bit uh, just about your background and a little more about your family? Sure. So I'm born and raised in Michigan and my dad 
is a lifelong farmer, spent most of his life, um, adult life on a dairy farm. And my mom, God love her. She supported him and helped him for most of, of that time period. You know, I grew up when we would milk cows every day before school, do our chores, get on the bus, go to school, come home. And my mom would have our dinner plates already made in the oven for us kids to take out of the oven. We'd eat dinner. She would already be out on the farm and we would then eat dinner, go do our chores, come in and do our homework. I can remember being in like fifth grade and we had an assignment to see how many commercials happened in a half an hour span on Saturday morning TV. And I had to like, especially ask my parents if I could watch TV, not because they were anti TV by any means, because there was just never time that you sat down and like could just watch TV on a Saturday morning. So my parents um, were farmers for quite a while. My mom then branched out and, and God love her. You know, she went to work as a general manager in a restaurant. And so as I became a young teenager, there was two choices. You went to the farm to work with dad or you went to the restaurant to work with mom. And I went with my mom every single time, all day long, whatever she needed, I did it because I was not going to go work with the cows anymore than I had to. So, <laughs> um, you know, I, I love them to pieces. They're they are great. One big bonus is like I've not bought beef in a grocery store in 20 years. So mm. um, I've been very blessed to be able to buy, you know, sides of beef, which sound very rare and weird to most people, but it's awesome. And my kids are very spoiled. Um, I bet James know. would like that hookup, right? No doubt. Don't you cook? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love to cook. No doubt. <laughs> yeah. No, it, it's, it, they're, they're great. And, you know, after kind of them, I went to Michigan State and got a bachelor's degree in communications made a little trip around the Midwest, working in Indianapolis, Chicago, and then came back to this area and have been at the university for the past 15 years. Hmm. You know that you mentioned something here. And and as I look at my Zoom screen and you mentioned Michigan State, we have some crazy rivalries here, right here on the screen. Got Michigan State. That is true. U of M. Michigan. Yeah. Yeah, Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Wow. And it's like football season now. Yeah, no (laughs) doubt. Football season is here. Wow. Good luck to uh, the Wolverines and the Spartans. (laughs) No, good luck to the Wolverines. Sorry, Grace. (laughs) I mean, Amy, we're a basketball school now. That's what I'm saying. So we're coming at you for basketball. (laughs) I can't I can't make any defense for football anymore. But uh, basketball, we'll see you. We'll see you on the court. Okay. Hey, that works. I will say, man, I don't want to be mean. I'm a football fan and I do have some good friends who went to Michigan, but I was raised here. So Notre Notre Dame is very close to my heart. Michigan Mm. State, my favorite color is green. I don't look good in maize. So I've never been a Wolverine fan, but um, yeah. Wow. It happens. It, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amy, we're just about at the end of our time together. But before we go, we'd like to get your parting words. So any advice or recommendations or wisdom you'd like to share with your colleagues? On uh, what? Anything? Just anything. Yeah, we have so many new people, too, that have started, you know, since this hiring freeze has been lifted. Any words of advice for them? Well, if they're listening to this podcast, which would be awesome, Mm -hmm. I hope so too. Um, I would just say to anybody new, don't hesitate to ask. I mean, we have so many acronyms. We have so many things that we do that people don't understand. And what I would also say is just because you learn it from us doesn't mean we're doing it the right way. So if Mm. you 
think we have it all figured out. Shocker. I don't think anybody does. Um, and finding your, your voice to ask the right kind of questions is, is welcome. And you may not always find the answers are great or not well re- received, but don't give up, right? Because we certainly don't have all of that. Um, we don't know it all by any means. And diversity of thought is really, really good. Bringing somebody in to ask you why you do something and you can't answer it, huge problem. So mm-hmm. go ahead and, and push that a, a little bit. The other thing I would say is, you know, we hire really good talent and, you know, we're obviously lifted the hiring freeze, lots of people coming in, everything is great. And what I would say is if you're working here and you don't love what you're doing, you should really think about that because I, I love what I do, but more importantly, I love the people I do it with. I love my team. We're, we're back in the office and, you know, doing a little bit of a hybrid approach, the energy in the office is, is great, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you should love what you do and you're going to spend the rest of your life doing it. So find something that you love. I also think that bringing in new people just helps the team o- overall. So again, if you're not thrilled, let's help you find what you want um, because bringing good people in is really important. So you know, on that note, I would say it warranted a long weekend, and uh, I hope it's not <laughs> the end of summer, but it is the beginning of football season. That's so, right. you know, it's it'll be great. It'll be great. <laughs> Thank you, Amy, for those words. You you mentioned office. Where can people find you? Oh, good lord! I'm in Grace Hall, which nobody knows where it is. <laughs> um, Grace Hall, eleventh floor. Yeah, but it's on the other side of campus from Eddy Street. But I like going to Eddy Street quite a bit, so I get to see many people. I would say if you want to connect, just send me a note. And more importantly, just throw something on my calendar, right? Mm. Like my calendar is up to date. I'm happy to meet for coffee, Zoom, or a cocktail, and get to know get get to know you. Mm-hmm. Great, Amy. It was so much fun to have you on the show today, and have so much fun in Nashville this weekend. Well, it's great to be here and, um, you know, kind of shocking that I'm on here. So thank you. And thank you for forcing me to do this. You guys are kind of fun, too. (laughs) Thank you. Well, Well, James, a new season, a new format. We're shaking things up over here. Uh, But, you know, there's one thing we got to keep. What's that, G? Our closing jingle. Uh, It wouldn't be the same. Thanks for listening to the Grace of Giving podcast, folks. I'm James Riley. And I'm Grace Prasniewski. And this has been the Grace of Giving. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, stay Stay.